Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring more tales of terror to chill your bones, to terrify your nights. Wonderful, wonderful classic urban legends and scary stories I've enjoyed listening to over the years and growing up with. I just had to share those, which is why I created this podcast. And here we go. But first, just want to give a little shout out to my website, myhaunteddolls.com. If you have not visited there yet, please be sure to do so because all of my books are out there. If you're interested to learn more about my haunted collection, my creepy dolls and spooky paintings and such items as these, be sure to check out the book My Haunted Collection. It's in my store at myhaunteddolls.com. You can also buy it in paperback. Uh, If you want to get it autographed, you can order directly from me in paperback from myhaunteddolls.com or if you would rather use your Amazon or Books a Million account. You can go to find it on Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, or it's even located on ebook. If you want to, if you like to read uh, Kindle, it's available there too. So be sure to check that out. Also, if you're interested in listening to some creepy evidence that I've captured from many items in my collection, such as disembodied voices and spirit box sessions. Be sure to check out my YouTube page, My Haunted Dolls, Kevin Kane. On YouTube, you can, you can find it just simply by going to my website, MyHauntedDolls.com. And just go to the links page and be sure to, to click the link for my YouTube page. And it will take you directly there where you can click on the videos and learn more about my items. Or hear some creepy evidence that I've captured over the years, since 2013, when I first started this creepy collection. If you want to know about the first haunted doll that I ever owned, go to episode 2 of this podcast and listen to the Patty Doll story. And that will let you know where I first started, or how I first started my collection. And now, let's go ahead and dive straight into our stories for today. This first story is a creepy love story. We've all heard mushy-gushy love stories. How about a creepy, bone-chilling ghost story? This one is called The Perfect Girl. One summer, a girl moved into the house next door. She lived with her mother, and they were quite poor. Her father had abandoned them years ago. She was new in town and found it hard to adjust. Although we both came from different backgrounds, she and I got to be friends. We were not very close friends, but I often visited her house, and we would talk. The moment I laid eyes on her, I knew she was the perfect girl for me. Unfortunately, she didn't feel the same way. She was attracted to boys who were handsome 
and confident. You know the type, the ones that ride motorcycles, muscles bulging with tattoos across the skin. It was clear that I wasn't her type, so I decided to wait. She didn't have any friends of her own to talk to, so she confided in me. Mostly, she would complain about her life, telling me how her mother hit her, how the girls in her class were mean and excluded her. She also told me about a boy she had a crush on. He was very popular with the girls in school. As she talked about her problems, I just sat there and listened. One day, the girl stopped coming to school. As it turned out, it was because she was being bullied. She told me that one of the popular girls in school had found out she had a crush on her boyfriend. The popular girl and her friends would bully her every time they saw her. She said they even spread vile rumors about her to the other classmates, and they were making her life a living nightmare. I just kept quiet and listened as she vented her problems. Her behavior began to change after she entered junior high school. She stayed out until all hours of the night and began to smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol. I heard rumors that she was doing drugs, too. She fell in with a bad crowd and was even arrested by the police one time. Her home life grew even worse, and she would frequently quarrel with her mother in the middle of the night. I could hear it from across the street. All of the girls in school hated her. Someone sprayed graffiti all over her house, calling her horrible names and saying disturbing things about her. Someone even killed her pet cat and stuffed it through her letterbox. What a grotesque deed that was. Eventually, the girl dropped out of school. She became withdrawn and locked herself in her bedroom. She stopped speaking to her mother and went for days and days without leaving her room, weeks even. She rarely came out even to eat. She looked very pale, sickly and painfully thin. Her mother took to leaving food outside her door. She would only come out when she needed to use the toilet or in the middle of the night when her mother was asleep. Not even to take a shower or change clothes, just only to come out to take care of the necessities. It was a miserable life. I went to see her for the first time in a very long time. She refused to come out to see me, and even though I yelled through the keyhole, she refused to answer. Her mother gave me a bowl of soup to take upstairs to her. 
I caught a glimpse of her when she opened the door to take the bowl. She was pale, drawn, haggard, and emaciated. She looked like a wet rag that had been wrung out. I went to see her every day. After a while, the girl began talking to me through the door. She told me how she was constantly fighting with her mother, and all of her old friends had forgotten about her by now. She told me how she had fallen in with a bad crowd and went out with them at night, stealing, doing drugs, and getting into trouble. She told me she was caught shoplifting by the police, and she had a criminal record. She told me how her mother tried to help her at first, but when she wouldn't listen, her mother flew into a rage and beat her. Her life had become unbearable. She wanted to die, and she told me she had tried to commit suicide many times by slitting her wrists. Just like the old days, she continued to talk on and on, and I just listened. Whenever she asked for my opinion, I just shrugged or made some innocuous remark. As time went by, the girl's mood gradually began to brighten. She even decided to come out of her room. It seemed like things were getting better and the future was looking positive. Her mother broke down in tears and thanked me profusely. One day the girl went up to the roof of an apartment building in the neighborhood and jumped off. The building wasn't very high and she landed in the shrubbery. That was probably what saved her life. However, her spinal cord was injured in the fall and she was paralyzed from the neck down. The doctors said she would spend the rest of her life in a wheelchair. When she got out of the hospital, I went to see her. She was lying in her bed, unable to move. She apologized to me over and over, and she could not stop crying. She said she wished she didn't survive the fall, and told me she was sorry for all the trouble she had caused me and her mother. I tried to soothe her and stop her crying, but it's hard to comfort someone when they are lying down. I embraced her awkwardly. She was weeping so much that her whole body was shaking. She couldn't even wipe away her own tears. As I held her in her arms, I asked her to marry me. She was like, Really? Are you serious? Me? Really? She couldn't believe that anyone would want her. I had to propose to her several times before she would even believe I really meant it. She cried so hard. Her tears ran dry. I tried to reassure her and told her I wanted to marry her, 
because I had always loved her. She was the perfect girl for me. She always had been. Even when she ignored me and didn't return my feelings. Even when she was hanging out with a bad crowd. Even when I had to listen to all her stupid problems. Even when she became so thin and was hiding in her room. Even when I told the popular girl she fancied her boyfriend. Even when I was spreading vile rumors about her to her classmates. Even when I sprayed graffiti all over her house. Even when I killed her cat and put it through the letterbox of her house. Even now that she is lying there in bed, small, weak, and unable to move. Even now, I still love her. You see, she is the perfect girl for me. And soon, we will be married. Ooh, that was a good creepy one, let me tell you. That story doesn't send chills down your spine and through your bones. I don't know what will. Perhaps if that doesn't, then let us take a little trip to a creepy cornfield to the countryside where we have another horror story. Another uh, good story here in the USA, down in the uh, southwest part of the country. We have a nice little chilling tale about one of the most innocent yet creepiest looking things that are used on a daily basis. This story is called Scarecrow. There was an old farmer in Arizona who owned the best farm in the area. Everybody said his crops were the best, and people came from all over to buy their goods from him. Whenever people asked him how he was able to grow such good quality crops, the old farmer would say it was all down to his scarecrow. That old scarecrow is the one I have to thank, said the farmer. He makes sure no cat crows or critters or pests come near my crops. The old farmer had built the scarecrow himself, and it was a fearsome sight. He spent months working on it to make it as scary as possible. He knew how important it was to keep pests away from the crops so that they would grow well. He gave it an enormous, enormous straw arms that stretched out about six feet and big, long legs that made it as tall as a tree. But the scariest thing about this scarecrow was its head. The farmer carved it himself out of a huge pumpkin. He spent countless days and nights perfecting his design until it was perfect. The scarecrow's face and head was so grotesque and ugly that even he was sometimes scared to look at it. 
but it was very effective, scaring away every rodent and bird that ventured near. The neighboring farm was owned by two young men who were brothers named Josh and Harold. They were lazy and never did much work around the farm, which resulted in their crops being bad. They were jealous of the old farmer's success and were plotting against him. If they could drive him out of business, they could take over his farm and make more money. So one night, the farmers decided to sneak onto the farmer's land. They stole his prized scarecrow and brought it back to their own house, where they stuffed it into an old closet so nobody would ever find it. The next day, the farmer woke up to find his hideous scarecrow missing and all his crops being eaten by rats and crows. He fell to his knees and cried, knowing that his farm would soon be out of business. Meanwhile, the brothers, Josh and Harold, were watching from their own property and couldn't help laughing out loud when they saw the old man's tears of grief. Hearing the laughter, the old farmer came over and asked them if they knew what happened to his scarecrow. The brothers looked him right in the eye and said they had no idea where his precious scarecrow might be. But you know I'll go out of business and have to sell my farm if I can't find my scarecrow, said the farmer. Josh just laughed in his face and said, That's just your tough luck, isn't it? Sucks to be you, giggled Harold. The old farmer walked slowly back to his house, his head hanging down in defeat and depression. That night, as Josh and Harold had trouble sleeping, not because they felt any remorse, but because they couldn't get the image of the Scarecrow's horrible, twisted face out of their minds, they decided they would never be able to sleep as long as that ugly pumpkin head was in their house. So they got up and dragged the Scarecrow out of the closet. Harold took a baseball bat and smashed the scarecrow's head to pieces until all that was left was little bits of pumpkin strewn across the floor. The brothers swept up the pumpkin head pieces and threw them in the trash. Then they went back to bed and finally were soon fast asleep. Having put all thoughts of the disgusting scarecrow face out of their heads. Sometime after midnight, Josh and Harold were awoken by the sounds of scratching and clawing at their bedroom door. Did you forget to put the dog out? asked Harold sleepily. We don't have a dog stammered Josh. Suddenly, the bedroom door burst open, and 
that a solitary, long, straw arm snaked in through the opening. Then, a second arm thrashed around, followed by two long, stick legs. The two brothers were frozen in fear, and could only look with horror as the headless scarecrow's body rose up on its long stick legs and its long arms reached out for them in the darkness. Harold felt a cold sinewy straw claw close around his ankle and he screamed as loud as he could. He begged his brother Josh to help him. But Josh was already running out of the bedroom. Fleeing in terror, he ran down the hallway, crashed through the front door, and out onto the moonlit road. He ran as fast as his legs could carry him, puffing and panting and screaming at the top of his voice. As he passed his neighbor's house, he saw the old farmer standing at his gate. In the moonlight... He could see the farmer just staring at him with a strange smile on his face. Josh kept running, his bare feet slapping against the rough gravel road. He glanced back over his shoulder and saw something that scared him to his very soul. He saw the scarecrow running along the road close behind him. It was gaining on him, coming closer and closer. And that wasn't all he saw. He noticed that the scarecrow had a brand new head, and it looked just like Harold. Ooh, that was a nice, good, bloody story. Of the Scarecrow. And before we end this, speaking of scary and bloody, why don't we end on a really good, creepy yet positive note by sharing a, one of my favorite urban legends. Really creepy little story that comes out of the uh, East Coast here. And it's probably a legend you've heard. I've heard it several times, but it wasn't until late in my life when I heard it, and it really gave me the chills. This is the legend uh, out of Clifton, Virginia. The legend of the Bunny Man. After the Civil War... Fairfax County, Virginia, became more populated, and eventually an insane asylum was built there. No one wanted to live near the asylum, and because of the public outrage, the institution was shut down. The administration transferred the patients, and in 1904, the process was completed. During the transfer, some of the patients escaped and hid in the surrounding woods and forest. These individuals were lost, delusional, and dangerous. 
Most of them were found except Marcus Loster and Douglas Griffin. The local authorities found a trail they believed belonged to the two men, littered with half-eaten, mutilated bunny rabbits. The trail led deep into the woods to a tunnel bridge crossing a wide creek. There, they found Marcus hanging from the tunnel entrance. There was a note attached to the foot of his body that said, You'll never find me no matter how hard you try. Signed, The Bunny Man. That tunnel has since been called Bunny Man Bridge. The legend says that if you walk all the way down the tunnel at around midnight, the bunny man will grab you and hang you from the entrance of the bridge, just like he did to poor dear old Marcus. Strange deaths and phenomena has been connected with the bunny man bridge. There was a young man from Clifton, Virginia, who came upon the bridge while traveling. Later, he murdered his parents and dragged their bodies into the woods to hang them from the bridge, and then he killed himself. In 1943, three teenagers, two men and a young woman, were at Bunnyman Bridge for Halloween night. The three youths were found dead the next morning, hung from the bridge with their bodies slashed open, all with notes attached to the feet of their bodies saying the same creepy thing. You'll never catch the bunny man. In 2001, after hearing the tale, six local students and a guide searched the area. They found mutilated bunny parts during their search and left the forest after they heard noises and saw figures moving around in the woods. Was it the bunny man stalking them? Or perhaps it was the spirits of his victims, the many victims he butchered and hung from the bridge over the years. Do you want to find out for yourself? Take a little trip to Clifton, Virginia and visit the Bunny Man Bridge if you dare. But just heed this warning before you do. You might not be coming back. <laughs> and that was a really creepy legend, one that still gives me the willies to think about. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Haunted Collection, and be sure to tune back in in a couple of weeks. I'll hopefully be back to bring you more chilling tales of terror and creepy urban legends. Don't forget to check out MyHauntedDolls.com. Be sure to take a look at our store where you'll find my books, and be sure to go to the links page and follow that link to my YouTube page for nice, chilling, real creepy videos. Until next time, watch out for scarecrows, creepy stalking lovers, and horrifying bunny men.
keep those doors and windows locked, but by all means, have a happy haunting. Ha 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 ha.